haven't seen the most recent episode of Game of Thrones? What? Well, if you don't want to be spoiled about that episode, then come back to this podcast after you've watched. Hope you enjoy. Donald, what about you? Uh, any comments on the House of Black and White stuff with Arya? I'm still scratching my head trying to figure out, you know, what, is this just uh, a funeral home? Is that what this place is? It seems like they were doing mortician work for me. Dedicated to HBO's Game of Thrones and George R.R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series. Now, I have to be honest, Matt. Before I talk about this chapter, I have to talk about that. I know last week's podcast, we had some tough audio quality, but that was no reason to cut the podcast short when we had such a lengthy discussion of Joffrey 1. You're listening to Podcast Winterfell. Clearly, you all didn't listen to my two ARIA podcasts. Yeah. Hey, hey, Matt, we listened. We just didn't agree. <laughs> <laughs> And now, here's your host, Matt Murdock. Happy 2017, everybody, and welcome back to Podcast Winterfell. It's episode 303 of the podcast, where this time around we are taking a TV look at Tyrion. It's entitled The Hand of the King, and again, it is a TV-only look, so for you book readers, you will notice some differences as you have in the past years, between the television character and the book character. But we're going to be covering it from a TV-only perspective uh, since the TV show has now, in terms of Tyrion's story especially, moved beyond the books. My name is Matt Murdock, and I am from podcastwinterfell.com, of course, and that is your one-stop shop for all things this podcast. We have all of our back episodes there. We will have polls when the new season starts so that you can rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 10. We have all of our social media and contact information there. And we have podcast app links. You can find the RSS feed. You can find uh, the link to the iTunes store page. You can find the link to the Stitcher store page. And if you would take the time to leave me a written review, that's the kind where you actually write some words down then it helps me stay more noticeable amongst the, you know, what are there, 14 billion other Game of Thrones podcasts out there. And some folks have taken the time to do so since the last time I was able to update the list. I also want to make a correction. I think the last time I said it was Margot who left us a review in the U.S. iTunes store. It was R. Margot who left us a review in the U.S. iTunes store. Also from the U.S. iTunes store, we have some new reviews. One from Sacto95834 and one from Bayo. I hope I said that right. Thank you very much for taking the time to leave me a written review in the U.S. iTunes store. Also, thanks to Ainsley Rose from the Australian iTunes store. And Ainsley Rose, I just wanted to take this quote because it uh, speaks a lot to what we do here at this podcast. Do an excellent job at looking at different theories and narratives from a variety of angles. Special mentions go to Kelly and Susan who know their stuff. And that's true. I surround myself with people who know their stuff and then I ask stupid questions and they give 
poignant answers to my stupid questions. That's kind of what we do on this show. We try to have a, a situation where, you know, I'm the straight guy and everybody else can make the jokes around me if they want to make jokes or they can be the straight guy too and give you real good information. But I got to tell you, man, I'm getting old. It's like if, if this podcast isn't fun for me to do, then I, I just I have a hard time getting to a place where I want to do it. Um, I've done that many episodes. I've done over 300 episodes and uh, I've grown a whole lot older in the process of doing those 300 episodes, but I'm just old anyway. And I'm a musician and I have to make money. And so that's why I just kind of going to give you a warning that this year, 2017, is a very busy year for me musically. And the podcasts are going to be sporadic. But when we have them, I want them to be fun. I want to add some fun to what we're doing here. And I want you to participate in that fun as well. Like there is a radio show called The Dan Lebitard Show, and I got to meet Dan in Key West, and uh, he's a very cool guy, very funny guy, and he just doesn't care. He doesn't care what you think about him. He doesn't care what his bosses think about him. If they're going to fire him, fire him. He just goes with what he wants, and that kind of inspired me to start doing what I want, and what I want is to get more people to participate. We already have, we get great feedback and everything, but I, I want some fun participation as well. And that's why we're going to do things like your looks like TV Game of Thrones character. That's something that comes from the Levitard show as well, where you try to think of your Game of Thrones character, what they look like in some other kind of situation, some kind of normal everyday situation. That's funny, hopefully, or it can be serious, I guess, but it makes it more fun when it's funny. Like this one. How about Jon Snow looks like the guy at the gym who gets out of the shower and flips his hair when he thinks no one else is watching, then puts on a stoic, wow, I worked out harder than ever face as he walks by the other lockers towards his own. Yeah? No? Yeah, he does. Littlefinger looks like the bad guy in every silent film who winks and then twists his mustache as the subtitles reveal his evil plan. Yeah, yeah, he does. Dario Naharis looks like the guy who's hanging around in the background of every famous female celebrity's Instagram photo, smiling cheekily as if to say, bet you wish you were here too. Yeah, Dario does look like that. And Catelyn Stark looks like the proper uptight ant that comes to dinner and gives your silverware a very skeptic appraisal before using it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So things like that, I think, would make this show a lot more fun. But I'd like to hear yours. You can tweet them to at WinterfellPod. You can send emails to podcastwinterfell at gmail.com. Or you can call 314-669-1840 and leave yours that way. And what I'm going to do with these, I'm going to collect them. And then we're going to have uh, a co-host on with some regularity this year. He was on the initial reactions before when we used to go back to season five. He moved over to the small council, and now he's coming back here. And Donald, if we're again, if we're going by the Lebatard show model, Donald is Lebatard. He will say whatever he wants. He doesn't care what you think about what he says. And uh, he is uh, just steadfast in his opinions. 
So I'm going to read these to Donald and try and make him laugh. Which isn't hard to do. Donald laughs pretty easily. But I think it'll be a great challenge for you to try and make Donald laugh. And you may have noticed it's just because of the new bumpers that we have. They're more fun. They've got some funny clips in them. And uh, the music is a little quirky, a little bouncy, a little circusy, you know. Now, if as long as we're going by this Levitard show model, I'm Stu Gatz. I'm the dummy. I don't remember what I said two minutes ago. Like I said, I'm an old man. I don't remember what I said two minutes ago. Maybe I'm more Greg Cody. I don't know. But I want to have fun with this show. Like I said, I'm just getting old, man. And I want to make this show better and more enjoyable for everybody, but mainly for myself. You know, it's all about me. It really is. Okay. Well, really, this podcast is all about Tyrion. So let's get to that. Tyrion Lannister is the youngest son of Tywin Lannister and Joanna Lannister of Casterly Rock. He has two older siblings, of course, twins, Jamie and Cersei. His mother died, though, during his birth, which, of course, caused a great deal of resentment from his sister and his father. Additionally, Tyrion was born a dwarf, and this caused even further resentment. But his brother Jamie often defended him and befriended him during his childhood years, and Tyrion and Jamie's relationship seems to have become the most, quote, familial of any of the other relationships in the family. As a result of the circumstances regarding his birth, he has endured a great deal of ridicule regarding his dwarfism and regarding his mother's death from many even outside of the confines of his family. This taught Tyrion early on to become thicker-skinned, but not without his own quiet moments of reflection and or regret that the condition and the events of his birth has caused his family and himself pain. Later in life, despite the treatment by his family, he has continually declared and shown love for them, withholding dark family secrets such as the affair between Jamie and Cersei, at least until what he perceived was the ultimate betrayal of himself by that family in Tywin. But the discussion of Tywin in that respect is for later, and in the here and now, there is one key event that has shaped Tyrion's younger life regarding a woman named Tysha. His brother Jaime had set up the meeting under the ruse of a robbery that Tyrion and Jaime saved Tysha from, and Tyrion fell in love with the woman and married her. Unfortunately, the truth and his father's wrath came as the price that Tyrion would pay for falling in love. Tyrion Lannister, the Queen's brother. The greatest accomplishment. And you, you're Ned Stark's bastard, aren't you? Let me give you some advice, bastard. Never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor, and it can never be used to hurt you. What the hell do you know about being a bastard? All dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes. We didn't try to hide our disappointment. That's not a monster, I told Cersei. That's just a baby. And she said he killed my mother. And she pinched her little cock so hard I thought she might pull it off. 
until your brother made her stop. It doesn't matter, she told us. Everyone says he will die soon. I hope they are right. He should not have lived this long. You've never taken it seriously. You haven't. Jamie hasn't. It's all fallen on me. As has Jamie repeatedly, according to Stannis Baratheon. You're funny. You've always been funny. But none of your jokes will ever match the first one, will they? You remember, back when you ripped my mother open on your way out of her and she bled to death. She was my mother too. Mother gone. For the sake of you. There's no bigger joke in the world than that. When the time is right, you will be given a position fit for your talents so that you can serve your family and protect our legacy. And if you serve faithfully, you will be rewarded with a suitable wife. And I would let myself be consumed by maggots before mocking the family name and making you heir to Casterly Rock. Why? Why? You ask that? You who killed your mother to come into the world? You are an ill-made, spiteful little creature, full of envy, lust, and low cunning. Men's laws give you the right to bear my name and display my colors, since I cannot prove that you are not mine. And to teach me humility, the gods have condemned me to what you waddle about, wearing that proud lion that was my father's sigil and his father's before him. But neither gods nor men will ever compel me to let you turn casterly rock into your whorehouse. Go now. When have you ever done something that wasn't in your interest, but solely for the benefit of the family? The day that you were born. I wanted to carry you into the sea and let the waves wash you away. Instead, I let you live. And I brought you up as my son. Because you're a Lannister. The girl's happiness is not my concern, nor should it be yours. She's a child! She's flowered, I assure you. She and I have discussed it at length. There, you see? You will wed her, bed her, and put a child in her. Surely you're capable of that. And if I refuse? You wanted to be rewarded for your valor in battle. Sansa Stark is a finer reward than you could ever dare hope for. And it is past time you were wed. I was wed. Or don't you remember? Only too well. I was 16. My brother Jamie and I were riding when we heard a scream. She ran out onto the road, clothes half torn off, with two men on her heels. Jamie scared away the men easily enough while I wrapped her in my cloak. She was too scared to send off on her own, so while Jamie hunted down the rapers, I took her to the nearest inn and fed her. Her name was Taisha. She was a wheelwright's orphan, and she was hungry. Together we finished off three chickens and a flagon of wine. Impossible as it seems, there was a time when I was unaccustomed to wine. I forgot how afraid I was around girls. 
how I was always waiting for them to laugh at me or look away embarrassed or ask me about my tall, handsome brother. I forgot about everything but Taisha. And somehow I found myself in her bed. For three chickens? I should hope so. <laughs> didn't last long. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But she was good to me. She kissed me afterwards and sang me a song. And by morning, I was deep enough in love to ask for her hand. A few lies, a few gold coins, one drunken septum, and there you have it, man and wife. For a fortnight anyway, until the septum sobered up and told my father. Well, I imagine that was the end of all that. Not quite. First, my father had Jamie tell me the truth. The girl was a whore, you see. Jamie had arranged the whole thing. The road, the rapers, all of it. He thought it was time I had a woman. But after my brother confessed, my father brought in my wife and gave her to his guards. He paid her well. Silver for each man. How many whores command that kind of price? He brought me into the barracks and made me watch. By the end, she had so much silver that the coins were slipping through her fingers and rolling onto the floor. Looking specifically at this story about Taisha, we see that Tyrion's first love was with a, quote, professional. So does this speak towards his tendency to only look for love in that particular place? We see him be with Roz in Winterfell, and of course he gets into a long-term relationship with Shay, where he seems to be more than just using her as a whore. Does he only seek out professionals and camp followers because he fears rejection from women of higher birth? Even in his talk with Shay and Bronn, he mentions how he was avoided by girls because of his physical appearance. Or is it possible that he seeks out whorehouses in search of his beloved Taisha? And finally, is it possible that his attitudes towards his place among women has changed by the end of season six? Perhaps all of these are possible, and we will look and explore this issue occasionally as we go through these podcasts. But for now, let's turn back to other things who have made Tyrion who he is today. And one shining example of something that has made Tyrion who he is, and capable of surviving in this world longer than probably most people would expect, would be his mind. Most would assume that Tyrion, as a child, most likely wouldn't have been afforded proper weapons training, given his physical stature and his status of least favorite son. Yet, despite that, Tyrion has shown abilities for his size on more than one occasion. In fact, if you think about the fact that Tywin took great care to ensure that Jaime learned his letters properly, you might think that Tywin also did the same for Tyrion as for making sure he was trained for battle. However, there's that thing about Tywin's feelings about Tyrion that might indicate that he wasn't as thorough about Tyrion's abilities to make war. But whatever the reasoning, Tyrion seems to have realized at a very young age that knowledge would be his weapon of choice, and we've seen him both practice gaining knowledge and applying it. In fact, many an odd problem has been solved by Tyrion just due to his book smarts. Why'd you read so much? Look at me and tell me what you see. Is this a trick? What you see is a dwarf. If I had been born a peasant, they might have left me out in the woods to die. Alas, I was born a Lannister of Casterly Rock. Things are expected of me. 
My father was the hand of the king for 20 years. My sister married the new king, and my repulsive nephew will be king after him. I must do my part for the honor of my house, wouldn't you agree? But how? Well, my brother has his sword, and I have my mind. And a mind needs books like a sword needs a whetstone. That's why I read so much, Jon Snow. You don't want me cleaning my nails? You don't want me looking your way? Why am I here? To help me plan the defense of King's Landing. <laughs> Stennis will be here any day. And one of these explains how to beat him. An History of the Great Seizures of Westeros by Archmaster Shevelethan. I'd swap all your books for a few good archers. My Lord Hound, Arthur, have you ever been in a city under siege? Maybe this part's not in your books. See, it's not the fighting that kills most people, it's the starving. Food's worth more than gold. Ah, the Great Sieges of Westeros. Thrilling subject. Shame Archmaester Shaviathan wasn't a better writer. We could throw books at his men. We don't have that many books. We don't have that many men either. You're an intelligent man. I'd like to think I'm an intelligent man. Oh, no one disputes that, my lord. Not even the multitudes who despise you. I wish we could converse as two honest, intelligent men. I wish we could, too. My brother was the youngest king's guard in history. My sister became queen at the age of 19. When I reached manhood, my father put me in charge of all the drains and cisterns in Casterly Rock. A most high-born plumber. The water never flowed better. Never expected to have any real power. So when my father named me Acting Hand... You're quite good at being Hand, you know. John Aaron and Ned Stark were good men. Honorable men. But they disdained the game and those who played. You enjoy the game. I do. Last thing I expected. And you play it well. I'd like to keep playing it. An interesting thing about that last bit with Varys from season two that we just heard. Tyrion does enjoy playing the game and having power. This might inform us as to why once he's in place in Marine, we get scenes, admittedly sometimes bad scenes, with Tyrion focusing on jokes so much with the likes of a Melisandre or a Grey Worm. Yes, the excuse is a little flimsy, admittedly, and it may also be due to the fact that he's merely trying to use humor to try and get to know them. But one would think that being in a position of power might just make him a little happier than being a slave or a hostage, and thus the jokes. But for whatever reason, it is in the establishment of relationships that Tyrion has educated himself outside of books. He's been a quasi-mentor to some and a student to others, using his smarts to try and best understand who he is dealing with and how to deal with them, especially outside the familiar, strained relationships of his own family. In fact, the only non-strained relationship with his family is with his brother Jamie, and after killing their father, that seems to be severely strained. But as we heard in the first clip, Jamie has been Tyrion's greatest ally within his own house, while it seems that Cersei has been his greatest enemy. And these two extremes have allowed him to navigate the in-between, but let's look at those extremes quickly. 
Obviously, with Cersei, it has always been about the fact that Tyrion's birth caused her mother's death. She also has always been very jealous of his intelligence and resentful of his lack of commitment, be that to women or duty. Even though when Tyrion has been given duties, he seems to have taken them quite seriously. And throughout the season, Cersei has made it her mission to fulfill her wishes of exacting some kind of revenge against the brother who took her mother away from her. But at the same time, Tyrion's sense of duty to family has had him at least listen to her when she was troubled. But let's not also forget that Tyrion, whether intentionally or not, has hurt his sister in many ways as well. And because of his awareness of her hatred for him, he has accused her of things that she actually did not do. My queen. I see him. Where is our brother? Go and find the little beast. Beloved siblings. Charms of the North seem entirely lost on you. I still can't believe you're going. It's ridiculous, even for you. Where's your sense of wonder? The greatest structure ever built. The intrepid men of the Night's Watch. The wintry abode of the White Walkers. Tell me you're not thinking of taking the black. And go celibate? The whores would go begging from dawn to Casterly Rock. No, I just want to stand on top of the wall and piss off the edge of the world. <laughs> Children don't need to hear your filth. You monster. Marcella is my only daughter. Do you really think I'll let you sell her like a common whore? Marcella's a princess. Some would say she was born for this. I will not let you ship her off to Dawn as I was shipped off to Robert Baratheon. Dawn is the safest place for her. Are you mad? The Martells loathe us. That's why we need to seduce them. We're going to need their support in the war your son started. She'll be a hostage. A guest. You won't get away with this. You think the piece of paper father gave you keeps you safe. Ned Stark had a piece of paper too. It's done, Cersei. No. You cannot stop it. No! Just how safe do you think Marcella is if the city falls? Do you want to see her raped? Butchered like the Targaryen children? Make no mistake. They'll mount her pretty little head on a spike right beside yours. Get out! Get out! How many times can you read one raven scroll? Stannis Baratheon's fleet has been spotted sailing north past Toth. 200 ships. More than we have. Yes, that's more than we have. He'll be at our gates within five days, four if he has the wind. We have strong high walls. We'll rain fire down on them from above. Rain fire on them from above. You're quoting father, aren't you? Why not? He has a good mind for strategy, doesn't he? Call it tactics, not strategy. But yes, he does have a good mind for it. The best mind, some would say. Sadly, he's not here. Sometimes I wonder. What? If this is the price for what we've done for our sins. Sins? The Targaryens... Wed brother and sister for hundreds of years, I know. It's what Jamie and I would say to each other in our moments of doubt. It's what I told Ned Stark when he was stupid enough to confront me. Half the Targaryens went mad, didn't they? What's the saying? Every time a Targaryen is born, the gods flip a coin. You've beaten the odds. Tommen and Marcella 
are good, decent children, both of them. Do you think I'm an idiot? No, I'd say you possess above average intelligence. You've shipped off my only daughter. And now you want to send my eldest son to the battlefield to die. He'll have his king's guard protecting him. The men will fight more fiercely seeing their king fighting beside them. Instead of hiding behind his mother's skirts. Where did you find her? Varys isn't the only one who hears whispers. Really, a Lannister lion necklace. You need to hide your secret halls more carefully. You're usually a better liar, baby brother. This one you like. You like her very much. Could it be love? Don't worry, she'll be treated gently enough. Unless Joffrey is hurt, and then every wound he suffers, she'll suffer too. I will hurt you for this. A day will come when you think you're safe and happy, and your joy will turn to ashes in your mouth. And you will know the debt is paid. Get out. I said you'd lost your nose, but it's not as gruesome as all that. The man who cut me lost more than his nose. I should hope so. The rebels came for Joffrey's head. They lost their own, thanks to father. Thanks to father. Of course, it wasn't a rebel who tried to kill me. No? Curious. You're meeting father today. Why do you care what I want from him? Because you slandered me to father before. Slandered? It's not slander if it's true. And what's this truth you plan on telling him today? Why are you so nervous about what I'm going to say to father? Because you're a liar. I expect you'll tell lies about me, about Joffrey. Any lies in particular? You're a clever man. But you're not half as clever as you think you are. Mm. Still makes me more clever than you. Tyrells were plotting to undermine our family. I did what I did to protect our family. I'm your family. A member of your family who's actively contributed to that family's survival. Whether or not you or father or anyone else wants to admit it. I do admit it. If it weren't for your trick with the wildfire, Stannis would have sacked the city before Father got here. Our heads would still be rotting on the city gate. Trying to have me killed is an odd way of saying thank you. There are two people in King's Landing who can give an order to a King's Guard. Did you or did you not order Sir Mandon to kill me during the Battle of the Blackwater? You did this! You did this! We have to leave. Take him! Take him! Where's his wife? Where's Sansa? Find her. Father Gates of the city sees every ship in the harbor. It was Tyrion. He killed him. He told me he would. The day will come when you think you are safe and happy. And your joy will turn to ashes in your mouth. That's what he said to me. You saw it. You saw Joff point at him just I before he... I don't know what I saw. 
offend him. Offend our son. Kill Tyrion. Cersei approached me. We spoke a great deal about her daughter. How worried your sister is about her. She was trying very hard to pretend she had not come to sway me against you. I think she may have even believed it herself. Making honest feelings do dishonest work is one of her many gifts. It was difficult for her to hide her true intentions. It is rare to meet a Lannister who shares my enthusiasm for dead Lannisters. She desperately wants to see you killed. She didn't need to bother you. It looks as though I've taken care of that myself. The joy she will feel when my head leaves my neck. She's wanted this for a long time. On the flip side, you have Tyrion's brother Jaime, who has done much in defense of his brother. Even though some of those things didn't work out as well as he had intended, he ultimately was the one who set Tyrion free when the Viper died at the hands of the Mountain, which ultimately led to Jaime's abandonment of Tyrion. But until that time, Jaime had shared knowledge of the city of King's Landing with Tyrion and defended him fiercely, and Tyrion himself relied upon Jaime and, after Jaime's injury, helped Jaime to train his other sword hand. Again, the relationship with Jaime is the most familial out of any with the other Lannisters. Should I explain to you the meaning of a closed door in a whorehouse, brother? You have much to teach me, no doubt, but our sister craves your attention. She has our cravings, our sister. A family trait. Now the Starks are feasting us at sundown. Don't leave me alone with these people. I'm sorry. I've begun the feast a bit early. And this is the first of many courses. <laughs> I thought you might say that. But since we're short on time... Come on, girls. <laughs> See you at sundown. Close the door! Even if the boy lives, it'd be a cripple, grotesque. Give me a good, clean death any day. Speaking for the grotesques, I'd have to disagree. Death is so final, whereas life, ah, life is full of possibilities. I hope the boy does wake. I'd be very interested to hear what he has to say. My dear brother, there are times you make me wonder whose side you're on. My dear brother, you wound me. You know how much I love my family. What's the meaning of this, Lannister? Get back inside, where it's safe. I'm looking for my brother. You remember my brother, don't you, Lord Stark? Blonde hair, sharp tongue, short man. I remember him well. Seems he had some trouble on the road. You wouldn't know what happened to him, would you? He was taken at my command to answer for his crimes. My lords! I'll bring the city watch. Come, Stark. I'd rather you die sword in hand. If you threaten my lord threaten. again. As in, I'm going to open your lord from balls to brains and see what Starks are made of. You kill me. Your brother's a dead man. You're right. Take him alive. Kill his men. Your new hand is nicer than the old one. Wouldn't you agree, Pod? Is it solid gold? Gilded steel. Not eating. Why is no one eating? 
My wife wastes away and my brother starves himself. I'm not hungry. You lost a hand, not a stomach. A toast. To the proud Lannister children. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. Oh, I'll clean it. No, I'll do it. Leave us. It's only wine. I can't fight anymore. What about your left? I can hold a sword. All my instincts are wrong. You're the Lord Commander now. Command. Let others do the fighting. When was the last time father used a sword? I'm not father. I'm the Kingslayer. When people find out I can't slay a pigeon. Train, then. Learn to fight with your other hand. With whom? You? Men talk. As soon as someone discovers I can't fight, he'll tell everyone. You need a proper, discreet swordsman. As it happens, I have just the one. Sorry I didn't come sooner. It's complicated. Yes. So how is our sister? How do you think? Her son died in her arms. Her son? Don't. As for Cersei, well, she's probably working on a way to avoid a trial altogether by having me killed. Now that you mention it, she did ask. So, should I turn around and close my eyes? Depends. Did you do it? The Kingslayer brothers. You like it? I like it. You really asking if I killed your son? Are you really asking if I'd kill my brother? How can I help you? Well, you could set me free. No, I can't. Oh, get on with it, you son of a whore. Is that any way to speak about our mother? What are you doing? What do you think I'm doing? The galley's waiting in the bay bound for the free cities. Who's helping you? Ferris. Ferris? You have more friends than you thought. drawing breath. Did you set him free? Tyrion may be a monster, but at least he killed our father on purpose. You killed him by mistake. The stupidity. You're a man of action, aren't you? When it occurs to you to do something, you do it. Never mind the consequences. Look at the consequences. Here they are. You set your brother free, didn't you? 
I bet your sister didn't like that. Maris set him free. Well, if you ever see the wee f give him my regards. He murdered my father. If I ever see him, I'll split him in two. And then I'll give him your regards. So let's pause here for a moment to do some speculation about what the future may hold for these three siblings. Tyrion, at the close of Season 6, is headed towards Westeros, the hand of the Queen to Daenerys Targaryen. And there's a great deal of the fandom now pondering what might happen if these siblings are reunited in some way. You have a Queen in Cersei, who Tyrion must defeat, and you have their brother Jaime, who loves Cersei, at least for now, and last we heard, wants to kill Tyrion for killing their father. Will Tyrion have to face Jaime as opposing commanders on the battlefield at some point? If Danny's forces defeat Cersei, what kind of consequences will Tyrion suggest that Danny have for her? Or what if Jaime opens fights against Danny and is defeated? What kind of consequences will Tyrion suggest Danny have for him? Ponder those questions as we look forward to season seven. With the exception of his father Tywin, the only other Lannisters, at least Lannisters in name only, that Tyrion had any other kind of dealings with were his uncle Kevin and his cousin Lancel. While interactions with Kevin were relatively minor, Tyrion did use Lancel as a pawn in his game while he was acting as Hand of the King. And while those interactions were comical to us as viewers, they do demonstrate a side of Tyrion that is not often pointed out by podcasts, at least not ones that I've heard, in regards to the television Tyrion. The observation is, Tyrion has a disdain for incompetence, and will treat those that he determines incompetent with a little bit of a mean streak. You can find this in his jokes to both Cersei and Jaime regarding their relationship or any mistakes that they've made. You can see it in the way that he treated Lancel, Grandmaster Pycelle, and others. I won't bother with the clips right now, for time's sake, but you can find many great examples of this, especially in seasons one and two, as he ascended to and acted as the Hand of the King. As for true relatives that do not carry the Lannister name, there is one here that must be addressed. The king with which Tyrion was charged to serve as Hand, King Joffrey Baratheon. Now, if you are a fan of the great podcast, the Joffrey of Podcasts, hosted by our good friends Bubba and Catfish, this next section may be a little uncomfortable for you. But I feel like since this is a Tyrion episode, I must tell the story of this volatile relationship from his perspective. From very early on, it is clear that Tyrion feels the same sort of incompetence or maybe even monstrous qualities exist in Joffrey that he shows disdain for in others. The difference, of course, is that while Lancel and Pycelle never really were much of a true threat to Tyrion's position, or life for that matter, to handle a king is quite a different story. And Tyrion's relationship with Joffrey has been one where he has felt he must try and teach Joffrey humanity. From very early on in the series, we see the tension between them, and Tyrion does his best to try and, quote, bring the boy to heel, as his father instructs. But Tyrion does indeed find out that Joffrey is someone who, in Tyrion's eyes, is flat mean and quite possibly an idiot. And through the dealings with Joffrey, Tyrion does his best to show Joffrey the errors of his ways, 
sometimes in a harsh fashion. My mother's been looking for you. You arrived for King's Landing today. Before you go, you will call on Lord and Lady Stark and offer your sympathies. What good will my sympathies do then? None, but it is expected of you. Your absence has already been noted. The boy means nothing to me. Oh, I can't stand the wailing of women. One word, and I hit you again. I'm telling Mother. Go. Tell her. But first you will get to Lord and Lady Stark, and you will fall on your knees in front of them and tell them how very sorry you are, that you are at their service and that all your prayers are with them. Do you understand? You can't. Do you understand? The prince will remember that, little lord. I hope so. If he forgets, be a good dog and remind him. Perhaps we should sue for peace. There's your peace. Joffrey sort of that when he decided to remove Ned Stark's head. You'll have an easier time drinking from that cup than you will bringing Rob Stark to the table now. He's winning. In case you hadn't noticed. You will go to King's Landing. And do what? Rule. You will serve as Hand of the King in my stead. You'll bring that boy King to heel and his mother too, if needs be. And if you get so much as a whiff of treason from any of the rest, Baelish, Varys, Pycelle... Head spikes walls. Why not my uncle? Why not anyone? Why me? You're my son. We looked for you on the battlefield. You were nowhere to be found. I've been here ruling the kingdoms. What a fine job you've done. My lady, I'm sorry for your loss. Her loss? Her father was a confessed traitor. But still her father. Surely having so recently lost your own beloved father, you can sympathize. I would like to know how you tricked father into this. If I were capable of tricking father, I'd be emperor of the world by now. You brought this on yourself. I've done nothing. Quite right, you did nothing. When your son called for Ned Stark's head, now the entire North has risen up against us. I tried to stop it. Did you? You failed. That bit of theater will haunt our family for a generation. Rob Stark is a child. Who's won every battle he's fought? Do you understand we're losing the war? Joffrey is king. Joffrey is king. You are here to advise him. Only here to advise him. If you want Rob Stark to hear us, we're going to have to speak louder. What is the meaning of this? What kind of knight beats a helpless girl? The kind who serves his king imp. Careful now. We don't want to get blood all over your pretty white cloak. Someone get the girl something to cover herself with. She's to be your queen. Have you no regard for her honor? I'm punishing her. For what crimes? She'd not fight her brother's battle, you half-wit. You can't talk to me like that. The king can do as he likes. The mad king did as he liked. Has your uncle Jamie ever told you what happened to him? No one threatens his grace in the presence of the king's guard. I'm not threatening the king, sir. I am educating my nephew. Bronn, the next time Sir Merwin speaks, kill him. That was a threat. See the difference? It's just you, me, and Joffrey, the Lord of the Seven Kingdoms. 
and protector of the realm. I'm sure you'll make a point eventually. He needs to start acting like a king. This war you started is coming to our doorstep. If we can't control him... Do you think I haven't tried? He doesn't listen to me. It's hard to put a leash on a dog once you've put a crown on its head. Traitors! All their heads! Oh, you blind, bloody fool! You can't insult me! We've had vicious kings, and we've had idiot kings, but I don't know if we've ever been cursed with a vicious idiot one. You can't! I can, I am! They attacked me! They threw a cow pie at you, so you decide to kill them all! Starving, you fool! All because of a war you started! You're talking to a king! And now I've struck a king. Did my hand fall from my wrist? Where is the stalker? Let them have her! If she dies, you'll never get your Uncle Jamie back. You owe him quite a bit, you know. Stark forces are distracted. Now is the time to strike. To strike? My dear nephew, you do see these men preparing the walls for siege. You do understand Stannis Baratheon sails this way? If my uncle Stannis lands on the shores of King's Landing, I'll ride out to greet him. A brave choice, Your Grace. I'm sure your men will line up behind you. They say Stannis never smiles. I'll give him a red smile from ear to ear. Imagine Stannis's terror. I am trying. Where's our fleet? On the way. Why isn't it here now? They're coming. Hound, tell the hand that his king has asked him a question. The king has asked you a question. Sir Lancel, tell the hound to tell the king that the hand is extremely busy. The hand of the king would like me to tell you to tell the king If that... I tell the hound to cut you in half, you'll do without a second thought. That would make me the quarterman. It just doesn't have the same ring to it. Cut me in half and I won't be able to give the signal. No signal, no plan. No plan and Stannis Baratheon sacks this city, takes the Iron Throne. Put your pinched little head atop a gate somewhere. It might be quite amusing. Except that my head will be up there too. I've much liked my head. I don't want to see it removed just yet. The Queen sent me to bring you back to the Red Keep. If you won't defend your own city, why should they? What would you have me do? Lead! Get down there and lead your people against the invaders who want to kill them. What did my mother say exactly? Did she have urgent business with me? She did not say, Your Grace. Sir Boris, him. Stay with my uncle and represent the king on the field of battle. The impulse I understand. He hates me because I'm the only one who tells him what he really is. So, fair enough. He wants me dead. But his stupidity? He could have had me poisoned and no one would have known. But the king orders a king's guard to murder the hand of the king in full view of his own army. The boy's an idiot. What do you want me to say? I want you to tell me if my life is still in danger. Probably. But not from Joffrey. He won't do anything now, father's here. Book? The lives of four kings. Grand Maester Keith's history of the reigns of Beren the Young Dragon, Baelor the Blessed, Aegon the Unworthy and Darren the Good. 
a book every king should read. Now that the war is won, we should all find time for wisdom. Thank you, Uncle. One of only two Valyrian steel swords in the capital, Your Grace. Freshly forged in your honor. Careful, Your Grace. Nothing cuts like Valyrian steel. So they say. Surely there are others out there who still dare to challenge my reign? Uncle, how about you? I'm, I'm sure they have a spare costume. One taste of combat was enough for me, Your Grace. I would like to keep what remains of my face. I think you should fight him. This was but a poor imitation of your own bravery on the field of battle. I speak as a first-hand witness. Climb down from the high table with your new Valerian sword and show everyone how a true king wins his throne. Be careful, though. This one is clearly mad with lust. It would be a tragedy for the king to lose his virtue hours before his wedding night. So, aspects of who Tyrion is are shown in the way he interacts with his own family, but also in how he interacts with other noble houses. But Tyrion never generalizes in these interactions with other houses. He grades each person on their own merits, or perhaps faults. And even as Tyrion has defined for himself, he does tend to show a slight favoritism for those who are disadvantaged. He openly admits that favoritism towards cripples, bastards, and broken things in the show and it can be seen even in the way he treats different members of the Stark family. John is a bastard, and Tyrion helps him learn more about the world around him so as not to feel privileged in the Night's Watch society that is based instead on merit of character. Tyrion designs a saddle for Bran because he is crippled, and even though he knows he must, in a way, defeat Catelyn to save his own life at the Eyrie, he does show her respect. Ah, rapers. They were given a choice, no doubt. Castration or the wall. Most choose the knife. Not impressed by your new brothers? Lovely thing about the watch. You discard your old family and get a whole new one. And you? What's your story, bastard? Ask me nicely and maybe I'll tell you, Dwarf. A bastard boy with nothing to inherit. Off to join the ancient order of the Night's Watch. Alongside his valiant brothers in arms. The Night's Watch protects the realm. Ah, yes, yes. Against grumpkins and snarks and all the other monsters your wetness warned you about. You're a smart boy. You don't believe that nonsense. Everything's better with some wine in the belly. Everybody knew what this place was, and no one told me. 
No one but you. My father knew. And he left me to rot at the wall all the same. Gren's father left him too. Outside a farmhouse when he was three. Pip was caught stealing a wheel of cheese his little sister hadn't eaten in three days. He was given a choice, his right hand or the wall. I've been asking the Lord Commander about them. Fascinating stories. They hate me because I'm better than they are. It's a lucky thing none of them are trained by master-at-arms like your Sir Roderick. I don't imagine any of them have ever held a real sword before they came here. I'm sorry to see you leave, Lannister. It's either me or this cold, and it doesn't appear to be going anywhere. Will you stop at Winterfell on your way south? I expect I will. Gods know there aren't many feather beds between here and King's Landing. If you see my brother Bran, tell him I miss him. Tell him I'd visit if I could. Of course. I'll never walk again. If you're going to be a cripple, it's better to be a rich cripple. Take care, Snow. Farewell, my lord. Is Bran going to die? Apparently not. What do you mean? The maester says the boy may live. It's no mercy letting a child linger in such pain. Only the gods know for certain. All the rest of us can do is pray. Well, even if the boy lives, he'd be a cripple, a grotesque. Give me a good, clean death any day. Speaking for the grotesques, I'd have to disagree. Death is so final, whereas life, ah, life is full of possibilities. I hope the boy does wake. I'd be very interested to hear what he has to say. I must say I received a slightly warmer welcome on my last visit. Any man of the Night's Watch is welcome at Winterfell. Any man of the Night's Watch, but not I, eh, boy? I'm not your boy, Lannister. I'm Lord of Winterfell while my father is away. And you might learn a Lord's courtesy. So it's true. Hello, Bran. Do you remember anything about what happened? He has no memory of that day. Curious. Why are you here? Do you like to ride, Bran? Yes. Well, I mean, I did like to. The boy has lost the use of his legs. What of it? With the right horse and saddle, even a cripple can ride. I'm not a cripple. Then I'm not a dwarf. My father will rejoice to hear it. I have a gift for you. Give that to your saddler. He'll provide the rest. You must shape the horse to the rider. Start with a yearling and teach it to respond to the reins and to the boy's voice. Will I really be able to ride? You will. On horseback, you'll be as tall as any of them. Is this some kind of trick? Why do you want to help him? I have a tender spot in my heart for cripples, bastards, and broken things. You've done my brother a kindness. The hospitality of Winterfell is yours. Spare me your false courtesies, Lord Stark. There's a brothel outside your walls. There I'll find a bed, and both of us can sleep easier. This man came into my house as a guest, and there conspired to murder my son, a boy of ten. In the name of King Robert and the good lords you serve, I call upon you to seize him and help me return him to Winterfell to await the king's justice. Would you be so good as to untie me? And why would I do that? Why not? Am I going to run the 
hill tribes would kill me for my boots. Unless a shadow cat ate me first. Shadow cats and hill tribes are the least of your concerns. Ah, the Eastern Road. We're going to the Vale. You're taking me to your sisters to answer for my imagined crimes. Tell me, Lady Stark, when was the last time you saw your sister? Five years ago. She's changed. She was always a bit touched, but now you might as well kill me here. I am not a murderer, Lannister. Neither am I. I had nothing to do with the attempt on your son's life. The Dacca found... What sort of imbecile arms an assassin with his own blade? Should I gag him? Why? Am I starting to make sense? Mummy? I want to see the bad man slide. Perhaps you will, my little love. This man is my prisoner. I will not have him harmed. Is it over? You don't fight with honor. No. He did. Can I make the little man fly now? Not this little man. This little man is going home. I believe you have something of mine. Lannister always pays his debts. It's interesting to see the difference in the interactions between Tyrion and the various Starks, particularly the difference between his interactions with Rob as opposed to the others. While he's very kind to Bran, he is less than cordial with Rob, and perhaps this is again back to that trait of intolerance towards ineptitude that Tyrion has. Rob is, after all, very young at this point, and is probably fulfilling some of his first duties as an acting Lord of Winterfell in his mother's absence, and so his strong-arm tactics in regards to something that Tyrion is at this point completely unaware of probably seems both surprising and not very well calculated to Tyrion. And as far as Catelyn goes, Tyrion is naturally curious as to why she has left Winterfell, so when that turns on him, he tries to reason with her until the trial of the Veil, and then it becomes apparent that he must defeat her at her own game. There is a bit of indignance afterwards, but despite this, you hear Tyrion speak of Catelyn with respect from then onward at any rate. Tyrion isn't necessarily a Stark fan, simply because he's been brought up to believe that family comes first, and if your family is the enemies with the Starks, then you must be on your family's side. But, at the same time, it's not clear that Tyrion has ever really harbored or vocalized any absolutely malicious feelings towards the Starks the way the other members of his family has. And, of course, there is one Stark who Tyrion would become more involved with, perhaps more so than his own personal preference would have. That is, of course, Sansa Stark. His first encounters with her were merely made to help her survive his nephew. But when she became a valuable claim to the North itself, he was forced by his father to marry her, a marriage that had real no hope of being happy given the war between their two families. This obviously was no Romeo and Juliet story. However, the two did, in fact, find moments of tolerance and understanding 
once married, at least until the Red Wedding. This, of course, made for an impossible situation for Tyrion or Sansa, for in no way could Tyrion make the slaughtering of her family due to a plan of his family any better for her. And yet, by the time we reached the Purple Wedding, there was at least a return of some tolerance and even acts of kindness between them, like Sansa picking up the chalice for Tyrion at the Purple Wedding. And of course, that is the last time to date that they have seen each other. I apologize for my nephew's behavior. Tell me the truth. Do you want an end to this engagement? I am loyal to King Joffrey, my one true love. Lady Stark, you may survive us yet. Your sister has learned that your new friends, the Tyrells, are plotting to marry Sansa Stark to Sir Loras. Very well. She's a lovely girl. This is a plot. Plots are not public knowledge. And the Tyrells won't carry this one out until after Joffrey's wedding. We need to act first and kill this union in its crib. And how do we do that? We find Sansa Stark a different husband. Wonderful. Yes, it is. You can't mean it. I can, and I do. Joffrey has made this poor girl's life miserable since the day he took her father's head. Now she's finally free of him, and you give her to me? That's cruel, even for you. You intend on mistreating her? The girl's happiness is not my concern, nor should it be yours. She's a child! She's flowered, I assure you. She and I have discussed it at length. There, you see? You will wed her, bed her, and put a child in her. Surely you're capable of that. And if I refuse? You wanted to be rewarded for your valor in battle. Sansa Stark is a finer reward than you could ever dare hope for. I want you to know, I didn't ask for this. I hope I will not disappoint you, my lord. No, don't. You don't have to speak to me as a prisoner anymore. You won't be a prisoner after today. You'll be my wife. I suppose that's a different kind of prison. I just wanted to say, I, I'm just trying to say very badly, just want to say, I know how you feel. I doubt that very much, my lord. You're right. I, I have no idea how you feel, and you have no idea how I feel. But I promise you one thing, my lady. I won't ever hurt you. Get rid of her gown. She won't be needing it any longer. Ladies, attend to my uncle. He's not heavy. There will be no bedding ceremony. There will be if I command it. I believe we can dispense with the bedding, Your Grace. I'm sure Tyrion did not mean to threaten the king. My Lord Father has commanded me to consummate this marriage. Can't. I could, I would. <laughs> I won't share your bed. Not until you want me to. What if I never want you to? And so my watch begins. Sir Eldrick Sarsfield and Lord Desmond Crickle. 
What are you doing? I have a list. A list of people you mean to kill? For laughing at me? Do I look like Joffrey to you? No, death seems a bit extreme. Fear of death, on the other hand. You should learn to ignore them. Now, lady, people have been laughing at me far longer than they've been laughing at you. I'm the half-man, the demon monkey, the imp. You're a Lannister. I am the disgraced daughter of the traitor Ned Stark. The disgraced daughter and the demon monkey were perfect for each other. <laughs> so, how should we punish them? Who? Whom? Sir Eldrick Sarsfield and Lord Desmond Crakel. Ah. I could speak to Lord Varys and learn the perversions. Anyone named Desmond Crakehall must be a pervert. I hear that you're a pervert. I am the imp. I have certain standards to maintain. <laughs> we could sheepshift Lord Desmond's bed. You cut a little hole in his mattress and you stuff sheep down inside. Then you sew up the hole and make his bed again. His room will stink, but he won't know where it's coming from. Lady Sansa. My sister used to do that when she was angry with me. And she was always angry with me. Why sheep shift? That's the vulgar word for dumb. My lady. Well, you asked me. Write back to Lord Frey. Thank him for his service and command him to send Rob Stark's head. I'm going to serve it to Sansa at my wedding feast. Your Grace, Lady Sansa is your aunt by marriage. A joke? Joffrey did not mean it. Yes, I did. I'm going to have it served to Sansa at my wedding feast. No. She is no longer yours to torment. Everyone is mine to torment. You do well to remember that, you little monster. Oh, I'm a monster. Perhaps you should speak to me more softly then. Monsters are dangerous, and just now kings are dying like flies. Do you want to write a song for the dead Starks? Go ahead, write one. I'm in this world a little while longer to defend the Lannisters, to defend my blood. The Northerners will never forget. Good. Let them remember what happens when they march on the south. All the Stark men are dead. Winterfell is a ruin. Roose Bolton will be named Warden of the North until your son by Sansa comes of age. I believe you still have some work to do on that score. Do you think she'll open her legs for me after I tell her how we murdered her mother and brother? One way or another, you will get that girl pregnant. Will not rape her. I lie awake all night. Staring at the canopy, thinking about how they died. I could get you Essence of Nightshade to help you sleep. Do you know what they did to my brother? How they sewed his direwolf's head onto his body. And my mother. They say they cut her throat to the bone and threw her body in the river. What happened to your family was a terrible crime. I didn't know your brother. He seemed like a good man, but I didn't know him. Your mother, on the other hand, I admired her. She wanted to have me executed, but I admired her. She was a strong woman. 
and she was fierce when it came to protecting her children. Sansa, your mother would want you to carry on. You know it's true. Will you pardon me, my lord? I'd like to visit the Cotswood. Of course, of course. Prayer can be helpful, I hear. They don't pray anymore. It's the only place I can go where people don't talk to me. With this kiss, I pledge my love. a question about Sansa and Tyrion that remains in my mind. Are they still technically married? This might be more of an issue for Sansa rather than an issue for Tyrion, but while Tyrion's murdering of his father caused him to flee Westeros, he's now seemingly on the way back, and of course, even though Sansa got married to Ramsay Bolton, there was never any official word that the Tyrion marriage had ever been dissolved that I can recall, at least not on the television show. It could be that Littlefinger somehow had her marriage dissolved in some way before offering her hands to the Boltons. And if that happens, then this is not an issue for either of them. But of course, Ramsay is now dead. So is it possible that Tyrion and Sansa might reunite someday? We'll have to see in the future, of course. So now we've talked about Tyrion and his immediate family, as well as his interactions with the Starks or other houses. But the last thing to cover in this particular podcast episode is some of the decisions that Tyrion had to make as Hand of the King, including playing a game to weed out people that he couldn't trust and prepare for a war. Tyrion as Hand actually did quite well in his podcaster's opinion, and he liked the power and the game. This makes perfect sense. As a man who has read many books, the intellectual side of both the game and acting as hand had to be quite appealing for Tyrion. Many of his decisions also gave us a further glimpse into his moral compass and how that changed our perception from season one to season two and beyond. But also remember that even right up to his father sending him to King's Landing, he was still honing a lot of skills that would help him later on. Hearing from Mormont and Aemon about the White Walkers, and later trying to convince Cersei to send more men to the Wall, learning a little bit about the grubby life from Bronn, negotiating with the hill tribes of the Vale, dealing with his father's war council, all of it to prepare him to go to the weeding out of the likes of Janos Slint, disabling Pycelle, dispatching Littlefinger, using Lancel, figuring out where Stannis will attack and how to defend the attack, and ultimately find a way to inspire his men to hold off Stannis until reinforcements arrived. We can't man the other castles on the wall. We can't properly patrol the wilderness. We've barely enough resources to keep our lads armed and fed. Your sister sits by the side of the king. Tell her we need help. When winter does come, gods help us all if we're not ready. Lord Commander asks that we send more men to man the wall. Perhaps he's forgotten we're fighting a war. We have no men to spare. The cold winds are rising, and the dead rise with them. 
The Northerners are a superstitious people. According to the commander, one of these dead men attacked him in his chambers. Mormont doesn't lie. How do you kill a dead man? Apparently you burn him. One trip to the wall and you come back believing in grumpkins and snarks. <laughs> I don't know what I believe, but here's a fact for you. Night's Watch is the only thing that separates us from what lies beyond the wall. I have every confidence that the brave men of the Night's Watch will protect us all. That trinket is worth more than everything your tribe earns. But if you help us, Shagas, son of Dolph, I will not give you trinkets. I will give you this. What is this? The Vale of Aaron. The Lords of the Vale have always spat upon the hill tribes. The Lords of the Vale want me dead. I believe it is time for new Lords of the Vale. This is Shaga, son of Dolph, chieftain of the Stone Crows. Timit, son of Timit, ruler of the burned men. This fair maid is Chella, daughter of Czech, leader of the Black Years. May I present my lord father, Tywin, son of Titos of House Lannister, lord of Casterly Rock, warden of the West. I made promises to my friends here, and the Lannister always pays his debts. It is said that the men of the mountain clans are great warriors. Ride with me against my enemies, and you shall have all my son promised you and more. I heard there was some trouble in Littlefinger's brothel the other night. Mm. Nasty business. Had to be done. Yes, of course. The City Watch must keep the peace. Only, I hadn't realized peace depended on killing babies. Tell me, when your men slaughtered Ned Stark's men in the throne room, did you give the order? I did. And I would again. The man was a traitor. He tried to buy my loyalty. A fool. He had no idea you were already bought. Are you drunk? Not have my honor questioned by an imp? I'm not questioning your honor, Lord Janus. I'm denying its existence. You think I'll stand here and take this from you, dwarf? Dwarf? You should have stopped at imp. And yes, you will stand here and take it from me, unless you'd like to take it from my friend here. I intend to serve as Hand of the King until my father returns from the war. And seeing as you betrayed the last Hand of the King, well, I just wouldn't feel safe with you lurking about. We shall hear what Joffrey has to say about this. No, we shan't. There's a ship leaving for Eastwatch by the Sea tonight. From there, I'm afraid it's rather a long walk to Castle Black. I hope you enjoy the wall. I found it surprisingly beautiful, in a brutal, horribly uncomfortable sort of way. I am your loyal servant. So loyal that you told the Queen about my plans to send Marcella to Dawn. No! Never! No, it's a falsehood! I swear it! It wasn't me! Ah, Varys! It was Varys the spider! You see, I told Varys that I was giving the princess to the Greyjoys. I told Littlefinger that I planned to wed her to Robin Aaron. I told no one that I was offering her to the Dornish. No one but you. Uh, Eunuchus spies everywhere. Cut off his manhood and feed it to the goats. No, 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 no. There are no goats, half man. We'll make do. 
How long have you been spying for my sister? All I did, I did for House Lannister. Always, your Lord Father, ask him. I've always been his servant since the days of the Mad King. Lannister, I always served Lannister. Get him out of my sight. Throw him in one of the black cells. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, please, no, don't. You can't do this to me. I don't appreciate being made a fool of, dwarf. If Marcella marries the Martell boy, she can't very well marry Robin Aaron, can she? No. Leave me out of your next deception. Wow. That's a shame. You were to be the centerpiece of my next deception. My brother Jamie rots in a northern stockade. I would see him released. That's where you come in. Rob Stark will never release the Kingslayer. No, he won't. But his mother might. How would you like to see your beloved cat again? The Lannisters will trade your daughters for the Kingslayer. Of course they will. Jamie Lannister for two girls. Rob will never agree to those terms. I'm not bringing these terms to him. I'm bringing them to you. You think I keep secrets from my son? Rob has surprised them all with his skills in battle, but he's not a mother. Consider it, Cat. You may not get another chance. brought you a gift. I don't want your gifts. A token of Tyrion Lannister's goodwill. He wants you to understand that this exchange of prisoners is offered in good faith. Good faith. <laughs> What's this? husband was an honorable man. He should rest beside his family in the crypts beneath Winterfell. Tell me, did Cersei have you knighted before or after she took you into her bed? What? Nothing to say? I did as I was bid. Hated I... every moment of it. Is that what you'll have me believe? A high place in court, knighthood, my sister's legs spreading open for you at night. Oh, yes, it must have been terrible. Wait here. His grace will want to hear this. I'll leave the city at once, I swear. No, I think not. My lord? You heard me. My father told you to obey my sister. Obey her. Stay close to her side. Keep her trust. Pleasure her whenever she requires. No one ever need know. As long as you keep faith with me. I want to know what Cersei is doing. Where she goes, who she sees, what they talk of, everything. And you will tell me. Yes, my lord, I will. I swear it, as you command. I'm telling you the truth. Smart money would be on more likely. She's making wildfire, but I But then swear. perhaps his own unnatural urges would give him sympathy for yours. The Alchemist Guild has been commissioned. There's only one way to find out. They have thousands of pots already stored in their vaults. They are planning to launch it from the city walls into Stannis' ships and armies. Please. When did she tell you this? I heard her talking with the pyromancer. 
And the other night, after I left her, she went to meet him. The contents of this room could lay King's Landing low. You won't be making wildfire for my sister any longer. You'll be making it for me. Stannis knows King's Landing. He knows where the walls are strongest, and he knows which gates are weakest. Mudgate. Good ram will batter it down in minutes, and it's only 50 yards from the water. That's where he'll land. Don't fight for your king, and don't fight for his kingdoms. Don't fight for honor, don't fight for glory. Don't fight for riches, because he won't get any. This is your city Stannis means to sack. That's your gate he's ramming. If he gets in, it will be your houses he burns. Your gold he steals. Your women he will rape. Those are brave men knocking at our door. Let's go kill them. Now, I realize that I said that I thought that Tyrion did pretty good as the Hand of the King. But before we praise Tyrion too much for his job, let's also not forget that he was not without fault in some of his decisions, at least in case of the long term. His decision to send Marcella to Dorne ultimately ended up in killing his niece. And he did nothing other than try to convince Cersei regarding the Night's Watch rather than acting on his own. Now... That last one seems a little bit more of a plot failure than a character one, because Tyrion didn't seem to have any problem taking things into his own hands in regards to the war with Stannis, and unfortunately, the story needed to make the wall as helpless as possible before we get this endgame with the White Walkers. The one way I guess that that last one does speak to Tyrion's character is that evidently he doesn't really, quote, know what he believes still, and thus he took no action. As for many of the actions that Tyrion took as Hand that we saw, many are much more about self-preservation than actual ruling. And we have to wait until he is in Essos before we see policy applied more. And that discussion is probably still a good podcast and a half away for us. And with that, we've really only just begun with Tyrion's story. In the next episode of our three-part series on Tyrion entitled Master of Coin, We're going to look closely at two relationships that Tyrion had where the validity of those relationships ultimately came into question, as well as the plot and the family member that drove him away from positions of power into the depth of criminal behavior. So I hope you enjoyed part one of three parts regarding Tyrion Lannister that we'll have. Master of Coin is next week. The week following will be the Hand of the Queen. And then we will go back to A Song of Ice and Fire in a way. Uh, It's TV show and A Song of Ice and Fire, but it's how the television series has affected some book theories that we have. And that's going to be a very interesting conversation with Bubba and Stephanie and Susan and Kelly. Bubba from the Joffrey of Podcasts, of course. And uh, we're going to be doing that in a two-part series as well. 
And then we will have the person who will be co-hosting the television show coverage with me this season. We're going to be talking with Donald, that's at Donald JR on Twitter, about the White Walkers from a television perspective and from a book perspective. We'll do it all in the same podcast, but don't worry, we won't, uh, we'll have it separated out so you can just go to one or the other. Thanks again for listening. Let's have some fun this year. Tweet me your Game of Thrones character looks likes, as well as when we get new episodes later this year, your three word descriptions or your brothel mates of the week, the best coupling of the week. Send me emails, send me ideas that you want for shows. I want this to be fun again and not so much of a bother for you to listen to my rambling voice. Here's Axel Foley from the Small Council podcast to tell you how to contact me. And thanks for listening. You've been listening to Podcast Winterfell. Find the podcast blog at podcastwinterfell.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter, twitter.com slash winterfellpod. Contact the podcast either by email, podcastwinterfell at gmail.com, or by calling the listener line, 314-669-1840.